everyone. This is April Hansen with Arkansas Catholic Asks, a podcast produced by the staff of the Arkansas Catholic Newspaper. We interview newsmakers in the church on various faith topics that matter most to you. This is the second in a three-part series on immigration. In the first episode, we interviewed Maria Garcia, a young DACA recipient, also known as a dreamer, about her trip across the border as a child. Today, I'm very excited to chat with 21-year-old DACA recipient Kevin Azanza, who is a senior with a double major in communications and political science at the University of Arkansas. He has met with representatives in the Arkansas legislature regarding what is now Act 844, which was passed this year, allowing DACA recipients to pay in-state tuition rates at state or public colleges and universities. So welcome to the podcast, Kevin. Hey, thanks, April. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. Well, first off, we like to start our podcast with kind of just a little fun icebreaker question. So I want to ask you, what is your favorite type of music? And do you have a favorite artist? Yeah. So right now I'm really into alternative music. And I think my favorite artist would have to be the Wallows. Okay. Well, tell me a little bit about them. So they're just a really good band. Uh, they, they're like, uh, they're just a boy band, basically. Mm-hmm. But I don't call it a boy band. I just call it a band. And <laughs> they sure. they love uh, alternative music and just like mellow, mellows uh, type of tone that they play. Nice. Well, I mean, do you listen to music while you're driving or hanging out with friends or kind of when do you like to listen to them? Yeah, I like to listen to them all the time. I think specifically more when I'm driving. It's just a good uh, way to keep me going and make sure I get to the places I go. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, hopefully, have you ever seen them in concert or no? No, not yet. (laughs) Well, hopefully one day they will uh, come around Arkansas. Have they ever been to Arkansas before, to your knowledge? No, they've been to Tulsa, which is two hours away, but hopefully Arkansas soon. Gotcha. Well, that'll be a great show, I'm sure, if they ever come here. (laughs) Well, so tell me, you know, I'm excited to talk with you today about your experiences talking with legislators and also just your experience as a DACA recipient and kind of what you'd like to see, you know, change both legally and in the minds and hearts of those in regard to DACA and immigration. And I think it's especially timely that we're talking now, um, especially right now as the U.S. Supreme Court is weighing whether to allow President Donald Trump to move forward with ending Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program, which is DACA. So according to a November 16th NBC News article, DACA has allowed almost 700,000 young adults who have been in the United States since they were children without legal status to go to school, work, and just live without the fear of being deported. So I wanted to ask you first, Kevin, what do you think of this Supreme Court proceedings thus far? So I think the Supreme Court hearings are being uh, shadowed a lot by the impeachment hearings. I mm-hmm. feel like it's really hard to receive full coverage on the hearings just because there's a lot going on in the media with impeachment hearing. Mm-hmm. But it is, it's a coin toss, really, what it's going to come down to. Well, so tell me, does that, you know, as an immigrant and as a DACA recipient, I mean, does that make you nervous? Or what is kind of the general, what is your thought, you know, going forward? Yeah, uh, you know, you got to hope for the best, but expect the worst. You really just got to, let God take the wheel from here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's a great way to look at it, especially because there's really not, you know, it's out of our control. <laughs> um, so I know that here in Arkansas, though, um, just to take it back, you know, locally, 
Act 844 was a major victory for you and every DACA recipient who attends college. And just to explain it a little bit more, before it was passed, those on DACA were charged out-of-state tuition, which oftentimes can be three times as more than what residents in Arkansas pay. So for example, in your college for the University of Arkansas in 2019 in the 2020 school year, the typical cost for in-state students is 9,384. And for non-residents, it's 25,872. And just to add a little bit more perspective, many students in bordering states are given in-state tuition. So the new law does stipulate though that students, including foreign nationals, must have lived in Arkansas for at least three years or graduated or received a GED from an Arkansas high school. So tell me, because I know that you've lived in Arkansas since you were a year old. So how many years did you pay out-of-state tuition despite, you know, being here your whole life? Yeah, so I paid out-of-state tuition for about three years. This is actually the first year that I'm going to receive in-state tuition, and it's actually my senior year. Wow. Well, and how, you know, how hard financially has that been? Because people don't really think about, you know, this is obviously paying for college is something that affects all college students, you know, especially those when they're trying to go for scholarships or financial aid, but DACA recipients are not allowed to receive financial so kind of tell me, you know, what you've had to do to kind of fill in the financial, you know, gaps that you've had to, you know, for college. Sure. So I'm, I've been very fortunate to have parents that have uh, really pushed for my education and told me uh, we'll take care of it. And with that being said, they've worked long hours and gotten extra jobs. And I've done my part and applied for as many scholarships as I have. And it's thankfully up to now, uh, been enough to where I can go to college full time. Mm-hmm. Well, what does it mean to have that kind of support from your parents? Because not everybody I'm, has that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm, I'm just very, very lucky. And my parents have always pushed for me and always supported everything that I do. And uh, to me, it's they're wonderful parents. I wouldn't want them for I wouldn't trade them for anything in the world. Mm-hmm. Well, where are they originally from? So my mom's actually from the capital. She's from Mexico City. And then my dad's from a small town called Encarnacion in the state of Guanajuato. Okay. Have you gotten a visit there at all throughout the years? No. So I, DACA recipients actually can't. Uh, before the uh, Trump administration came into office, DACA mm-hmm. recipients could apply to leave the United States, but currently they can't. Mm-hmm. And so I haven't been able to uh, really go back to Mexico since I left. I see. Okay. Well, I want to talk about the campus culture at U of A. Um, How many Dreamers would you say are at the University of Arkansas and kind of talk about just the campus culture in regard to to those students? So currently that I'm aware of, there are 32 DECA recipients going to the University of Arkansas, Mm -hmm. which is not a lot considering this is a campus of 26,000. Currently, there hasn't been a lot of clubs uh, dealing with DACA, but there has been staff and uh, teachers that have pushed for immigration clubs and just uh, DACA recipients and uh, just pro-immigration in general to be more of an issue at the uh, University of Arkansas. Well, that's, that's great that there is that support system kind of starting, of course. But why do you think that that number is so low? Um, I think it's multiple factors, and partly because a lot of DACA recipients are first-generation students. So not only do they have to deal with the pro- uh, 
the DACA problem and the cost that associated with that, but they also have to deal with just navigating the waters when it comes to being the first generation and their family to go to college. Mm-hmm. Well, and I know that obviously um, this is why Act 844 is so important because it does allow a lot of um, dreamers to, you know, be able to afford college a little bit more than they were able to before. So kind of tell me about your work on Act 844 and why it is so important. So Act 844 is really, really important because not only does it allow for the cost to be lowered, but it Mm -hmm. also allows for like a pathway for more uh, students to be uh, financially stable when it comes to college. Uh, There has been legislation that has been pushed for for a decade at least, and it hasn't gone through until earlier this year when it was passed. So it was a huge victory. Yes. Yes. Well, so what did it mean to be involved in that? I mean, because as you said, it's been, you know, this has been kind of stirring for the past decade. So, I mean, to actually see it through and, you know, because you did talk with some legislators, correct? Yes, I did. Uh, So Dan Douglas of Springdale actually advocated for the bill Mm -hmm. and he pushed for the bill to happen. I got to talk to him a little bit and tell him my story about how uh, I got to Arkansas and how currently I am paying out-of-state tuition and he he pushed for the bill and it went through. And I just remember the first time when, when the bill went through, like everyone was like literally jumping of joy, mm-hmm. including myself. Well, and now were you at um, in the Capitol when all of this was happening or tell me where you were when it was getting pushed through? Yeah. So the first time it went through, uh, through the Senate committee, it's, I was actually in the Senate committee when it passed through. Uh, then it went to the Senate, which uh, had to go back to the Senate committee to get revised. And I was not there for the second time. But mm-hmm. when it passed the first time, there was an assumption that it was going to pass through the second time. So uh, I was just happy to be part of that moment and be able to uh, be there in, at that moment whenever it did pass the first time. Absolutely. Well, and not many people get to in, be involved in legislation that's so deeply personal to them. I mean, especially you, I can't even imagine, you know, being a senior with a double major. I mean, (laughs) that's, how did you find the time to also, you know, be a part of this? Well, it's, it's just a great cause, not only for myself, but other people in general, other DACA recipients. I know a lot of my friends are DACA recipients and just this cause means a lot to me. I just have to make the time for Mm -hmm. it. Well, is there any other legislation that you've been involved in or kind of any that are you hope to be involved in in the future? So I, I'm not currently involved with any, any other legislation, but I think the big part is yet. Uh, I'm currently a senior and I expect whenever I graduate to really be on the legislation side of uh, politics. Well, and you are a political science major. So what, what are you hoping to do after college? So I want to get a couple internships uh, at Washington, D.C., but I'm still undecided. I also thought about law school for a second. I thought that's a really good uh, opportunity for me, but I'm still not 100% positive on what I want to do. And I I think that's the best part of the whole situation is I just have the door open uh, to whatever God uh, brings my way. For sure. Well, I do want to talk to you as, you know, a political science major, what are the most pressing issues you see right now in terms of DACA recipients in Arkansas or just immigration in general? 
So immigration in general right now is a very complex issue. There are multiple aspects that seem problematic. Uh, so like higher fees for applications, the separation of children at the border, um, TPS, DAC at the Supreme Court. And those are just a couple I could think of. And that means there's also a lot that we can advocate for. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and that's kind of going off of that. You know, we hear a lot about a lot of rhetoric about building a wall as a solution to the to the immigration crisis. And, you know, Bishop Anthony B. Taylor has been very vocal about the need for reform rather than barriers, you know, as well as many other Catholic leaders. But, you know, something he pointed out that really stuck out to me during an immigration talk this summer, um, I thought it was very simple and to the point. He had used this analogy, if you stick a rock in the middle of a river, the water is going to flow around it. And even if a waterway is dammed up, the water still exists. And so as a young immigrant studying politics, what needs to happen? Because, you know, there are going to be people that are, you know, needing to immigrate. I mean, that's just the reality. That's life. So kind of what, in your opinion, from your vantage point, what needs to happen? So that's a very good question. It's a very complex question. But I think the best way to answer that would be with a quote. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you have more than you need, you don't build a bigger wall, you build a bigger table. And so the United States is known for its opportunity and for its diversity. And it needs to take advantage of that by creating a system of immigration that's for for immigrants itself rather than for profit. That's, That's a beautiful quote. Do you know where it was from? No, I do not. I just heard it and I loved it. Yeah, absolutely. It's beautiful. Um, well, I know that as a you're a parishioner at St. Vincent de Paul Church in Rogers, but tell me, do you also attend St. Thomas Aquinas Parish while at college or no? No, I do not. I like St. Vincent de Paul and that's my home parish, but also mm-hmm. my schedule is a little wonky, mm-hmm. uh, so I don't get to do everything at at campus. I was going to say it's hard <laughs> with a, being a double yeah. major to be a part of, you know, campus ministry too. But tell me though, how has your Catholic faith helped you handle what I imagine are, you know, the emotional and financial stresses of being an immigrant? Yeah. Sometimes I get, I just think in general, you get overwhelmed. And I think that's when you give it to God. My mm-hmm. mom has always told me, God isn't going to give you more than what you can't handle. And that's when I start. when I first started my college journey. That's what I thought. I thought I had way more than I could handle, but I now see that my senior year that I can do it. And most importantly, because God is with me, I can do it because I give it to him. Uh, and so I'm very humbled to say I'm graduating up this upcoming May. That is wonderful. Well, and you know, what can Catholics listening to the, this podcast, you know, do in terms of getting their voices out there for immigration issues, you know, especially those that may want to get involved in the legislative side of things, but are just not really sure how to do that. Yeah. So I think the first step would be to get informed on the issue you, you want to advocate for. There's so many issues within immigration itself that it, it's really just a hodgepodge of issues. And so when you get you when you get informed and know about the issue, that's when you find connections in an organization. And with that organization comes uh, connections on how to get to the legislative side or, or how to push for said issue. And I think that that's definitely the best way, and that's the way I've done it. Yeah. Well, are there any kind of local organizations that you've you know worked with, or any that you might think that someone listening might want to reach out to? Yeah. So Catholic Charities is really a good one. It's actually 
uh, one that helps with the, the immigration aspect of of uh, legislation as like renewing renewing visas and uh, DACA renewals and just renewals in general, as well as trying to get uh, more citizens more citizenship status for immigrants. Uh, Arkansas United was actually the one that pushed a lot for uh, the in-state tuition bill, and they're also a great one that are in Little Rock. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I do want to ask too, because this is something, and you're kind of in a unique situation, because really, the United States is the only home that you've really truly known. Um, so tell me, how have you, have you encountered anyone that maybe is not maybe a little bit ignorant to immigration? Or, I mean, how do you kind of handle that as somebody who essentially, you know, has been a part of the United States their whole life, but technically, if you want to look at it legally, is not? So how have you kind of been able to manage, you know, that emotionally and just, um, yeah, just every aspect of your life? Yeah. So everyone's entitled to their own opinion. And my my job is to inform them of how, although I am put under deportation, I can't really receive status. And that's something a lot of people don't understand. Uh, but when you do talk to people and you let them know, hey, like, I'm in that situation, I think it totally puts a face to the problem and to the issue. And that really changes the whole conversation. And it's really beautiful to see when you talk to people that don't know something about the issue and just assume, and then you let them know with information uh, what's really going on, that their attitude completely changes. Absolutely. Well, and that's what we're trying to do with this um, immigration series as well. Just really, you know, sharing stories of immigrants and just kind of, you know, hopefully opening some hearts and minds. And I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today and um, sharing your insight and your experience. And I want to say that we end our podcasts generally with a prayer relating to today's topic. So Kevin, I understand that you've brought a prayer. Um, so tell me what is the topic of the prayer? So it's actually one that I found. It's by Bishop Nicholas mm-hmm. uh, of Brooklyn. And this is just a general prayer for immigrants. Okay, wonderful. Let's go ahead and pray. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. The Holy Amen. Spirit. Amen. Lord, we pray for your protection of all refugees, immigrants, and displaced people in the world today. You experienced the life of an immigrant in your flight to Egypt when Joseph and Mary fled their home to protect your life. Today, this phenomenon continues in a world that does not respect the vulnerable. Help us respond to the needs of these people, our brothers and sisters. You told us that when we welcome the stranger, we welcome you, and the reward of that assistance is not forgotten on our day of judgment. We invoke the migrant family of Nazareth to protect those who migrate today. Keep them safe and bring them to your destination with guidance. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Kevin, so much, and uh, you know, for taking the time to share your story with us today. Well, thank you for having me, April. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. And I want to remind all our listeners to like and subscribe to Arkansas Catholic Ask's podcast and also follow Arkansas Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, arkansas-catholic.org. And check back next month for part three of our immigration series on Arkansas Catholic Ask's.